Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I am your host, Art Aldridge, and today I'm going to tell you a horror story. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, but this is true down to the last detail. I had a client who works in a big corporation. We were talking one day over lunch about a scenario where we could build a studio in another city to record um, presentations and uh, messaging that would be controlled remotely from uh, my office and then uh, but the equipment would live on premise and it would be scheduled and manned and we could record it and then send the files you know via um, some kind of transfer app back to my clients so they could edit them and prep them and then deliver them and we we kind of talked about it in a casual way and over you know a few weeks we I started to put some details to it and you know really thinking about how it would work the the idea went something like this build a uh, a pan tilt zoom robotic camera PTZ as we say Put it in a um, room, small closet, soundproofed, with a background. I think in the original idea, I said maybe get one of these um, pre-printed Roscoe backgrounds that you can light from the back. And it'll look like a nighttime scene with lights in the windows, or you can turn the light off and use it as a daytime scene. You can get a couple different looks out of it, depending on how you light it. And I was like, oh, you know, if we put one of these backdrops in, we can make it look differently. We didn't want to do green screen. That just is not a good look for, for most things corporate. I had spec'd all this out with, with some gear and audio, a little mixer, and, and even a teleprompter with a iPad so that we could not only put text in front of the prompter, but we could do what we call in Teratron interviews where someone uh, dials in on Skype into the iPad and we could conduct a face-to-face interview so that the people aren't looking you know, all over the place or looking down at their laptop, which is really such a horrible, horrible look. I had sort of built this out in my head and I put some numbers to it. I had an estimate for the, it was like going to be a monthly management fee. We had to still work out some details about how it was going to be scheduled. But at this point, it was really just an idea. The client hadn't presented it to his higher ups. And so it kind of sat. And then a few months go by and um, the client calls me and says, hey, you know, what was some of that gear that you spec'd? Um, you know, what, what was, and he just asked me some, some sort of specific random questions about equipment. And later do I find out, like a month later, that the local office bought equipment, some of which I had given my client, but other pieces 
I hadn't, you know, shared those details with, but they, they built a little room, uh, you know, a video recording room to do this. But, and this is the horror story, they didn't build it with the remote management and someone to run it, even, even someone locally to run it. Cause the way that I guess the room was built, it had a, a room for someone to sit and operate a audio board and operate the camera and recording. So they didn't even consider that part of it. They just put the gear in a room and they bought a pan tilt zoom camera and they bought a, uh, a monitor, uh, an Atomos monitor. I think it was a Shogun that records into ProRes or other formats, but uh, it was set up for ProRes recording. And they built it and people started going in and using it. And now they've recorded a message or a video of some kind, and it's in ProRes. And now they want to send it to my client so that it can be edited. But they don't want to ship the drive. They want to, you know, send it electronically. But they don't know anything about video compression and how to transfer large files. And so now I get a call and say, hey, you know, how do we how do we make this work in a way that is feasible? And I I sort of stepped back because I was a little a little wasn't upset, but I was surprised that this got to this point without any real consultation, right? I didn't get anything out of it. I wasn't paid for this. There wasn't any uh, involvement that I had other than thinking up the original plan and then sharing part of the recipe with my, with my client. So now I'm being asked to help fix the situation. And I said, well, really the best way to do it now, if they don't want to spend the money for a remote uh, service plan, is they need to have someone in the room who knows a little bit, you know, we can train that person, but someone who knows how to record, compress it, you know, maybe record them as MPEG-4s and make this work so that they can be the intermediary between the talent and the, the editorial. And of course, that was met with a no. I'm not sure if it wasn't, it was a lack of resources financially or a lack of resources on the personnel side, but they wanted to make it work on their own. Like we don't want any more people. We, we bought this, we spent all this money, make it work. And you know, my client who's not, you know, at the engineering level of technical is now trying to deal with this situation. And it's a situation, you know, in a corporate environment when you spend money and then it's not returning on its investment, it becomes, problematic. And it's becoming problematic for him. He's leaning on me to help resolve it. And there's not a lot of ways to resolve it without spending more money. <laughs> and the problem is I'm not in this remote city. I'm not near this remote city. So there's expense to go out and try to fix it. There's expense in trying to, you know, do anything to make it better. So luckily I have some relationships with uh, video people in this city. So I, I called them up and said, listen, here's the deal. I, I need, I'll pay you, but I need you to go in. I need you to, you know, they, they bought a light. 
<laughs> this is so funny. They bought a light for this uh, room, but the light was just blasting probably at 100% at like a two-foot range on the talent. And the stuff that they were shooting was just horrific in its look. It really, it was it was scary. And they didn't understand, and the camera can't compensate for the light. And so I'm like, listen, you got to go in, you got to fix the lighting, you got to fix the audio, you got to, you know, try to um, change the recording format to something more manageable. Um, so he did, he went in and did that, but it was still, I don't remember what the issue with the recording format was, but it still wasn't generating small enough files. They were still big files. And it, the problem was getting them sent over, you know, corporate, um, land, uh, back to uh, my client was, was a trouble spot. So they were trying to ship, you know, footage and that became very clunky. But this is like six months of back and forth, trying to get it scheduled, trying to get someone to to let this local person in to do it, blah, 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 blah. So we get it to a point where we think it's better. At least the lighting is right. We're bouncing the lighting off a wall. and We adjusted the microphone and, and this and that. And, of course, something happens and someone changes it and this and that. And, and it's still it's still FUBAR. I talked to my client and he's like, listen, let's, let's come up with a plan that is going to cost as little money as we can, but try to try to fix it in a way that they can use it on their own and still generate small files. And we talked about some ideas, you know, one idea was maybe using an iPad, right? If you take an iPad, put it on a special mount, like an arm and use that camera and maybe the thought was if we can put that on the corporate Wi-Fi and we record like with Filmic Pro into the uh, photo library and we share an iCloud account um, with my client and this studio, then in theory, the sync would happen behind the scenes. It might not be fast, but they the, the, the client in the... Uh, remote office wouldn't have to deal with the transfer and, you know, that whole part of it. So that seemed like a plan, but we couldn't get the iPad blessed on the corporate Wi-Fi. So that was probably our best idea, you know, and that was, unfortunately, that was bypassing most of what they spent the money on, but didn't work out. We couldn't get that to work. So the second best scenario that I could think of was to put a little Blackmagic HyperDeck Mini in front of the uh, Atomos. And this would record a, you know, small footprint MPEG-4 onto an SD card. And we figured that would be a fairly easy way. Everyone has an SD card reader in their PC, so we could take that SD card with a fairly small file and transfer that back to New York in a share folder or, or some mechanism like that. And of, of course, there was some money to be spent because we had to get, if you haven't used the HyperDeck Mini, it's a great little box. I use them for all kinds of remote recording pieces, but it's only SDI in. 
And so in order to get audio in, you have to put it on a, another box. The audio has to come into an SDI embedder. And then you have to feed that SDI out and then into the uh, Blackmagic uh, HyperDeck Mini. So th there are a few pieces that we had to get to make all of this cocktail work. And, okay, fine, we you know, spend the money, we get the pieces, I send them to uh, my contact, we schedule it again. Like maybe three months go by since we ordered the parts and we put it in. And should have been great. Everything was was put back to normal. And so this is maybe, you know, from the initial lunchtime conversation, maybe a year has gone by now. And it's been internally for my client a lot of headache, a lot of stress, a lot of back and forth. Because every time something doesn't work, they call him. And he is not always in a position to support that. And he didn't want to support it. And it was never planned to support it. He doesn't have the bandwidth to support it. And he's now put in a position where he has to support it. Because this is like the higher ups at that remote office are now leaning on him in a negative way. And he's out of his mind. It's, it's really, really sad. So we put all this stuff in and we feel like, okay, we've really resolved this in the best way possible. Everyone is, you know, taking a hesitant sigh of relief. And then I get a call last week. I need you to send um, your guy over to the remote office and rewire back to the old way. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, just don't ask. Rewire the whole room back to the old way. And I was like, uh, uh, okay. He goes, and you have to do it ASAP. And I guess for whatever reason, they didn't like the new method or they didn't want to learn. You know, it was hitting a button on a different box. It was really that simple, hitting a new button on a new box. But they didn't like it or whatever, right? I didn't get all the details. But go in and fix it and then let me know how soon it can be done. So, you know, I'm like, well, what do we do with the gear that we put in there? Because that's really the best method of doing this as well. If you can leave it in place, but, you know, make sure that the, the monitor, the big Shogun monitor is the main record, because that's what they know how to do. Just put it back. And this was just, just the icing on the cake in this corporate world of chaos and again i'm isolated from it but hearing my client talk about how he was you know being treated from the people the higher ups at this remote office while you know they were the ones that messed this whole thing up by trying to bake their own plan halfway is really upsetting and it's just typical though i mean this happens all the time, more and more that I see that people only want to listen halfway or they don't want to implement the full plan. When I design it, you know, there's reasons. When you do something like this, there's a reason for every component. And if you're not on board with that plan, it's going to go to hell. And that's what happened here. And I'm sure this story is not over. I don't know 
what will happen to it. I don't know if people will be fired from it, demoted, promoted. I mean, who knows, right? We've all seen this happen. Um, and that's just just the way it is in, in Corporateville. Reminds me of a story when I was first starting off in my my career, talking about being promoted for doing something you know wrong. Uh, I was working at a local Univision station in New York. It was my first job out of out of college, and I only got the job because I had taken six years of Spanish, and I was not fluent in Spanish. I mean, I had taken six years of it between um, middle school and high school, and I knew the equipment. They were hiring an editor, and I think I've told some of these stories before, but they did hire me, and I worked on a vacation relief basis for about eight months straight. And I worked in the in the news department, and that was about the only thing they did there at the time was live newscast at 6 o'clock. And it was such a uh, funny place. The dynamics were very interesting. It was very... Um, the newsroom was, you know, run from the news director down, and your your ethnicity determined, you know, what kind of job you had. Um, if the news director was Dominican, she wanted or he wanted a full Dominican team. And if it was a Puerto Rican news director, and there would be these sea changes of uh, news directors and news personnel, they would just flush the whole system. And it was just so funny. And one day, you know, there was a, a, a woman working on a teleprompter. And I don't know what her level of skill or training was, but she was a teleprompter operator. And they brought in a new news director the next day. And now all of a sudden she's a news producer. And that was quite scary because uh, she probably should have stuck with running a teleprompter. But anyway, it was just something that reminded me when I was talking about being promoted for screwing something up. It just reminded me of that story. I'm off today to a live stream job. I will talk about this next week. It's going to be another horror show. I hope it's not, but it's uh, I'm doing a live stream for a Norwegian broadcast company. Um, there's been very little direction given about the production. I mean, we're covering a race, a sled dog race. So there's there's a general premise, but the lack of detail and the uh, lack of information is frightening. So we're going to show up. We're going to hope for the best. I'm flying with a ton of gear on a small plane by myself. Not thrilled about that. I got to land and I got to drive three hours, meet the rest of the team. So that's my big exciting day. Another note, yesterday... I got notification that my Apple XDR displays were going to ship. I was very excited until I read the rest of the email. And it appears that the Pro stands are not shipping. So now I have the displays. I don't have the stands. So my system is almost ready. If you remember, I got the Mac Pro the first week of January. Now it's going to be the last week of January. I'm going to get the displays. Who knows when the stands will actually arrive? It says February 13th on the Apple website. 
for the general availability of them. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a week ahead of that, but I'm still probably looking at two more weeks before I can get my system up and running. I'm so ready for it, and I, I'm anxious, and I'm just doing my best to wait and be patient about it. As I said last week, I've got the two systems running on the same desk with two keyboards and two mice, and you know, I haven't really been able to give it a real workout. I'm excited to do so. I did talk with uh, one of my colleagues who says he's had just a horrific time getting his Mac Pro configured to work with some of his equipment, which I was surprised about, but not shocked. I think it all depends on, on what you're trying to run. I mean, you know, my stuff is pretty new and I'm not uh, running things that are still broken with the Mac OS Catalina. I think that's more of his issue is the fact that he might be running software that's not compatible with Catalina. But my system's been been fairly uh, easy to install and implement. So again, I'm anxious to get the whole system up and running. Hopefully in another podcast or two, I'll be able to give you a better report on the Mac Pro and its performance. But for now, that's it. Thanks for listening. That was a lot of fun. It would be even better if you could add something to the conversation. Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.